0: This time on episode 457 of Legends of Shield, we discuss the 1992 X-Men animated series season four episodes 18, 19, 20, and 21, as presented on Disney Plus.
1: I'm Doc, issues from Capes on the Couch, a show that examines the mental health issues of comic book characters. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com.
2: You have been granted clearance by Director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a SHIELD debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director.
0: Now it's time for a scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle.
1: I'm Agent Chris. And Happy New Year. I'm producer of the show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Saturday, January 7th, 2023, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast timeline-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel.
2: Because of really, really good naps.
0: You'd like to talk to us about the benefits of really long naps. You can visit our website,
2: LegendsOfS.H.I.E.L.D.com. If you just want to rant about how your partner can take a nap and you can't and you hate that, you can give us a call at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871.
0: After your nap, if Twitter still exists, you can find us at Legends of Shield.
2: If you do some really silly things while you nap, why don't you set up a camera and then tag us when you put it on YouTube. You can find us at YouTube.com slash GunnaGeek.
0: You can talk about all the things you do when you nap or don't nap on our Discord server at slash Discord.
2: And don't forget that Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gunnygeek.com network, where I am the undisputed nap champion.
1: All right, Chris, just curious here. Are you getting enough sleep lately?
2: I am, but I also get good naps.
1: <laughs> all right. I didn't know if you were referring to Apocalypse and his recharged sarcophagus.
2: Well, that was the idea, but I also take really good naps.
1: All right. I used to take really good naps, but nowadays I'm lucky if I get 15 minutes in the chair in the afternoon. That's the saddest thing I've heard all day. Did you guys have a good holiday season? Yeah,
2: stayed warm. I got some new toys to play with, so oh, yeah. we'll see the benefits oh. of that later.
1: Cool. Well, yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. All right. So Lauren can't be with us. For those of you that don't know, she's involved in some domestic things like moving, which is, you know, difficult. And uh, she will be back with us as soon as she can, get her studio set up, that sort of thing. But for now, it's just the three of us. And with that, we had an unexpected pleasure this week. I say that because I don't know what's coming up. I just read the show notes as Michelle puts them together. And there was this four part series on x-men the animated series that we got to watch this week and i didn't realize what it was it is beyond good and evil parts one through four we'll get to it in a second but oh my gosh i started watching this and wow just wow so i can't wait to talk about it you guys ready to start yes oh yeah here we go
2: Previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: And if you have never seen the Muppets Christmas Carol, go check that one out. You'll be happy you did.
0: These episodes are a good set of advertisements for the benefits of therapy.
1: Sometimes I act like I'm five. Logs
2: are no joke. Those things are big and heavy and dense. And there's a reason why you build fortresses out of them.
0: What were car seats wearing seat belts all the time? Oh, yes. riding in the trunk, man. Not unconscious, though.
1: Especially oh, if he has oh, oh. One, one of those underground monorails that all the superheroes have. And you ask a question in the show notes here. I'm just going to go ahead and, and say what it is. Dear Canadian correspondent is leaving your keys in the ignition a thing up there.
0: I won the right to lead you warlocks in single combat. And I am Storm. So I'm just going to go do storm things without leaving you my number, my email
2: address. But once again, we have a situation that can be solved by a monorail and we need more <laughs> monorails in our modern society.
1: <laughs> Good job. I'm putting together the the on this week, Chris. I'm so sad that we're coming to the end
2: of the series because these have been so much fun to put together.
1: I know. Well, you got a few more. We got like five more. You in for or four more? Really? You in for four more?
2: Oh, it'll be good.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, that was a great previously on. uh, Michelle, what was your favorite part?
0: Talking about how Storm just became the leader and then noped out.
1: (laughs) Of course, I'm always five, so I love the whole thing. So what we're talking about this week is the next four episodes in X-Men, the animated series season four. They were episodes 18 through 21 on Disney Plus, so that's what we're going by right now. But originally, they were premiered on Fox Kids in 1995. Season four, episode 18, Beyond Good and Evil, part one aired on Saturday, November 4th, 1995. Part two aired on Saturday, November 11th, 1995. Part three aired on Saturday, November 18th, 1995. And part four aired on Saturday, November 25th, 1995. And that must have been a good November for y'all that watched this live. I didn't watch it live. I didn't watch it live either. Right, so
2: I probably had soccer games, so I, I wouldn't have either.
1: I hadn't watched any of this up to that point, And I was... Did I... I might have bought my first house by then. I can't remember. Uh, Of course, I was deployed basically before that. And I I don't remember the exact date that I bought the house, but it was close to this. Anyway, Michelle, we have some IMDB descriptions of the episodes. So you can start to tell people like myself, I hadn't seen the episodes before what they were all about.
0: Beyond Good and Evil Part 1. In the year 3999, Apocalypse steals Cable's computer and time travels to the past in order to end his struggle against inferior mutants permanently. Part 2. The next phase of Apocalypse's plan begins. He targets and abducts the most powerful psychics in the universe. Part 3. Cable appears in the past to stop Apocalypse, but is not concerned about saving the psychics, much to the mutants' chingering. Part 4. The final battle between mutants and apocalypse takes place.
1: Lots of mutant fights and battles. We'll talk about those in a second. But Chris, what were your first impressions? First thing I thought was this just really
2: seems like the end of an era. But part of that is because I know what happens in season five.
0: Just how long did Gene and Scott have to wait to get married again? Didn't they try to get married in season one? I know a lot of stuff has happened, but wow. I mean.
1: I got a note about that to talk about that later. It's wow. I I was surprised. I'm like, wow. I think they just did it because in this episode, because they were like, oh, we haven't closed that off. We need to close that off. Let's close that off. (laughs) And for me, I love the time travel and the world building. Basically, the entirety of the series came together in these four episodes. Yeah, there was some stuff that was left off, but the big The building blocks were were all there. It was just awesome. So, yes, this is all about time travel. And as a matter of fact, it even goes into former time travel episodes. So the question is exactly in the X-Men 92 universe or the X-Men, the animated series universe is how time travel actually works. And to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure I know we had the Marduk McFly people flying out of existence as Apocalypse was taking them out at the end. I know we had people going back in time to try to get rid of the pyramid before Apocalypse had a chance to revive and stuff. I just and then you had some intergalactic custodial engineer that was caretaking this whole thing. I'm not sure. I Really understand what's going on. Michelle, were you able to piece some things apart here?
0: Well, Bishop is traveling through time and has an accident and ends up at the axis of time, which is outside of time, which reminds me of the end of Loki, where we meet Kang, who is outside of time. And of course, the TVA is supposed to be outside of time. And Bender, the little character, who we end up as somebody else who I don't know at the end, I didn't look that up and I should have, is the kind of like caretaker of all of this. Apocalypse thinks he foresees everything, but time has a way and he ends up interfering. The thing is, they go back in time and destroy Apocalypse's Lazarus pit. Which brings up the question, wouldn't he have a backup? Next, it brings up the, well, if Apocalypse ceases to exist, then he wouldn't make Archangel, and the events wouldn't happen to allow them... It's cable though. So cable from 3999 is the one that does it. So maybe his timeline's better. I
1: don't know. I hope he gets back to his son Tyler. Chris?
2: How do you need it to work for this specific point in the plot? Because that's how it works.
1: <laughs> it does go all over the place. And I don't think it's very consistent to what we've done before, even though what we've done before, what we've done before, what we've watched before was In the beginnings of the first episodes and, you know, previously on and stuff like that, especially when they're going back and having psychics and taking them out of the early times, which was when we were there. Right. And it was just it was all. I don't know. It just all came together. I didn't have a problem with it, mostly because it's a Saturday morning cartoon. But you would hope that it had some sense to it, I guess. I don't know. The whole Gray Malkin came out of nowhere. I've not read or seen Gray Malkin before, so I don't know if it's comics based. I assume it is. But that was something new. That was kind of cool, especially since Cable had his time travel capability taken away from him.
0: Yeah, I liked how before there were rules, when Bishop went back and he changed things, and then when he would return, Forge and Shard and all of them were like, where have you been? what's happened, things are worse. And Bishop's like, well, don't you remember the X-Men? And like Forge didn't remember him at one point. So you saw the ramifications of someone who stepped out of time and then came back in. I thought they were going to pull a Shadow King and trap Apocalypse in this, because he kept talking about how he kept being there for centuries, and I'm immortal. And if you lock him up in this weird little pocket of space and maybe give him a deck of cards, he would just be and the rest of the timeline would be preserved because he still would have existed. It's just now you remove him as a risk to their future timelines. It's like the future timelines would still Change So that does bring up the question of would Tyler even be born because the set of circumstances, we don't know what caused Tyler to be born. And yeah, it's just making him cease to exist from the beginning really impacts like the four seasons that we've had X-Men.
1: It's kind of like Endgame Avengers Endgame, right? Where you defeat Thanos, but it was the Thanos from like five years previous. It's kind of like that. Yeah, so the Axis of Time is outside of time or is the Axis of Time the place or is the Axis of Time the Axis of Evil like Apocalypse and Sinister and Magneto and Sabretooth.
0: It's beyond that is the place that is beyond good okay. and
1: evil. So that's the place. So you have various places like that as you mentioned before within Marvel Comics, but without outside of Marvel Comics you have that as well. Like Star Wars, The Clone Wars, there's a place like that at the end of the series where you have this weird time travel through various doors that you take wherever. As far as the sarcophagus goes, also Stargate SG-1 and Stargate, the movie, go into the sarcophaguses as well. Not comic books, not even Marvel properties, but you get the idea that the sarcophagus can be used to rejuvenate, which is what Apocalypse is trying to do. So you have the rejuvenation technology going on. You have the time travel going on. He says he doesn't need the rejuvenation anymore if, like, nothing ever existed. But everything that occurs to get him to that point, because this is thirty nine ninety nine, this is thousands of years in the future, doesn't take place then. So how does he get to the point where he abolishes time at the end? It's mind-shattering, mind-boggling. And of course, it's comics, so, you know, as plot requires, as Neil would say, as Chris said, so there you go. You just need to run with it, I guess, because in the end, everybody's stuck back in in the present time. I mean, everybody goes back to where they're supposed to be, and and you have that, right? I did kind of enjoy the Lord of the Rings long walk that Bishop had to do for four episodes.
2: Yeah, that was fun watching him have to figure out where he is, what's up with Bender, who even is Bender. Okay, cool. Bender's this big, important guy. Wait, you're just the custodian? What the heck? (laughs) But he built this place. The mind gymnastics there are just amazing to watch.
1: Yeah, he he was pretty active, poofing in and out like that. And Bishop was walking forever. and. And not only was he just walking but he had to avoid fast flying time slash space machines as, as he was trying to get to the center of the axis of time. And eventually he's the one that saves everybody because he's the one that shoots all the psychics that are shot out of the air and all these psychics. That is a lot of mutant psychic energy that's around there. And, That's orbiting or halo, I guess, a halo above the axis of time. And that was an impressive assembly of mutant psychics. We often talk about how they have gone through extensive lengths of inserting cameos. That was all about the cameos right there. Did you guys see anybody that you're like, oh, that's this person?
0: I like that they introduced Psylocke because I like her as a character. I did not see Emma Frost.
2: That was the big one that I thought was missing, too.
1: You had Mystique, but you didn't have Emma. Yeah. Oh, and as before I forget, in the time travel realm, I just watched this, too. The last few episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there was like two episodes where they were caught in this time travel nexus. Do you guys remember that, where they did the time loop episode and everything? So... I guess I'm wondering how many of those exist in Marvel comics, because there seem to be several little pocket universes here and there. I enjoyed Psylocke as well. I did not realize how much I enjoyed that character until we saw apocalypse, you know, the movie, the Fox movie apocalypse. Right. And we, Chris, I don't think you were with us then, but we reviewed that and Psylocke, I think the acting was done well, but the writing was not done great for the character. So it was great seeing Psylocke in this because I think it was more akin to the Psylocke that really is in the comics.
2: Yeah, I definitely wasn't with y'all for that because I still haven't seen the movie and I don't know if that's
1: ever going to change. I don't blame you because I don't. I haven't seen the the Phoenix one, the last one. And I have no desire to because that whole universe is collapsing on itself.
0: Yeah, don't. Save your time. It's not really worth it. I mean, I think even Oscar Isaac has blocked out the fact he was in that movie.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to go back to what you said before about the wedding, Michelle. I think it's one of those, not a fixed point in time, but it's one of those points in time that always has something absolutely terrible happening around. No matter how many times they try to get married, no matter how many times they go through it and and not go through it. It's just, it's terrible.
0: And of course, Mr. Sinister comes to ruin it. At least they got married first. Now they're legal. Now they're legal, but we got creepy Sinister. And for those of us who know the background, when he's he he's when Jean Grey's in the tube and he's all like touching the tube and is like, I get to make the ultimate human race and he's being all creepy it's just a layer for us who have read the comics about how he is obsessed with her and Scott and because they are two powerful mutants. And when they, when he manipulates their DNA, he gets amazing results. It's just so interesting. You have this very powerful character who knows how you can kill him, but all he wants to do is make genetically altered babies
2: I just really want to see a Mr. Sinister Sauron team up now because you could have genetic baby-making focus combined with turning people into dinosaurs focus, and that would probably be the best thing in the entire world. But being more serious, yeah, something about their wedding is cursed, and if it ever manages to go off without a hitch, because I have to imagine they'll try to like renew their vows or something, so they can try to have a normal wedding. And how many different ways can it get destroyed?
1: You know, Chris, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur issue number two comes out next week. You going to pick that one up?
2: Yeah, that's not even okay. a question.
1: <laughs> you just met, you were mentioning dinosaurs and Moon Girl, so I thought I'd throw that in there. Heck yeah! I'm still trying to grasp my mind around the story because for a four-parter in a 1990s comic book show that was not supposed to be sequential storytelling I think it did pretty well in today's standards I think it might have been better and I expect better actually out of X-Men 97 when it comes out either later this year or next year whenever it comes out but For 1995 with these characters, I think they did a a pretty good job. I mean, they brought the whole universe back together. They got the space stuff in there. They got most of the bad guys in there. Apocalypse, Sinister, the Four Horsemen. And it just felt okay to me to have it all in. And plus, when time was zapping out, you saw all these panels of different episodes that we had seen just go away. So anything that they hadn't covered was mostly covered with the the panels around the axis of time. I thought it was pretty good.
0: Yeah, it had a lot of great fights. I think if you cut it together, it would be not much, not even an hour. And it would still be
1: fun. Yeah, what was your favorite fight of all of them? I just
2: really like Wolverine closing the door on Sabretooth. And I realized that We don't actually see any of that one, but just knowing what they were not allowed to show because this was a Saturday morning kids show and what, like, we've seen the level that Wolverine's gotten to. So, what level did he get to in there? And he got Sabretooth to the point of giving out information. So, the only thing keeping Sabretooth safe for kids to look at was the fact that this was a Saturday morning cartoon.
1: I like the mini little team up between at the, at the end between cable and Wolverine and Magneto, you know, the three of them, they were being a mystique was, was holding people up, but there were the three of them trying to get the psychics unlocked and stuff like that. And I just thought that was an interesting pair up because it was like the, the three kind of main characters from their three individual things. You know, Magneto's the leader of his own faction there, Wolverine, undoubtedly is the favorite x-men right and then you've got cable coming in there which is this favorite guy from out of time right so it was just a very interesting team up there and yeah they they still had their trouble it wasn't like they were overpowering anything but it was interesting watching the three of those not always agreeing fight together
0: i like the archangel psylocke one because we got to see psylocke be the ninja and climb up and then i liked near the end where she's like what is this a science fiction convection <laughs> and it's like woman look at how you're dressed
1: yeah i i did enjoy that i don't know who did the voiceover for sidlock but whoever did it was was pretty cool i didn't i don't know it, it sounded a little bit stormish so i don't know if it was the same, same Vortex actor as storm or not but yeah that was that was awesome and like with Shard and with Jubilee and with Rogue, they were told to stay back, right? So you, you need to stay back. And you kind of got the feeling originally that, oh, you need the women of the X-Men to stay back. But that wasn't it. They said, look, in the case that we fail, you guys are kind of the, the last bastion, you the last defense. So we're counting on you to do that. And that, I think, massaged the three of them. But I still got a sense of, oh, let's put the women behind safe doors as we go off to fight the bad guy.
2: Well, the thing is, though, you've got Shard with the time travel ability. So you have to leave somebody back who can do that one way or another. And she's a really good pick for that. You've got Rogue who can just take her glove off and pretty much take out anybody. Like You do have to worry about the side effects of what she's absorbing and how she reacts to it but it at least takes the person out that she touches. And then you've got Jubilee. They just don't want to take a 12-year-old with
1: them. At this point in the series, though, I would argue that Rogue is literally the most powerful mutant because she's still harboring that Captain Marvel power within her.
0: Yeah, and Jubilee, I think, is 16, possibly 17. Who knows how long she's been with them? Yeah, it's very much... Wolverine-centric when it comes to the fights, which is one of the problems I have with the movie franchise. Love you, Hugh Jackman. But for those of us who know the comics, we know that Rogue and Storm are more fascinating characters than were presented on screen.
1: By the way, I have heard a theory as to Deadpool 3, you're talking about Wolverine and Hugh Jackman. The theory is that Ryan Reynolds just did the same thing as he did with the original Deadpool because nowhere in the official Disney or Marvel accounts has there been an acknowledgement that Deadpool three is happening as part of the Marvel cinematic universe. So basically he put this out on his own and said, look, we're going to have a team up between Deadpool and Hugh Jackman and they Deadpool and Wolverine. And This is what it's going to be. It's going to be great. And then Marvel studio execs like Kevin Feige are like, yeah, okay. So they're trying to figure out how to deal with all that right now is the theory is the fan theory. So I thought that was interesting talking about Hugh Jackman and reprising his role as Wolverine in Deadpool three, but there was just so much that really focusing on any one character was difficult in these four episodes because you were all over the place with locations and team scattering and everything. It it was good. It's what you would expect in an Epic movie, really, if they ever choose to do this as a movie, I think it'd be awesome, but you have to put the pieces on the board first. You can't have sinister and Archangel and, apocalypse and Sabretooth and all the X-Men and all the space stuff. You can't have all of that just in a movie, right? It's a little bit guardian of the galaxy then, but you just don't get the impact from it. than you do if you introduce everybody separately cable and everybody included. So it's going to be a while before Marvel studios gets to the point where they could even make this into a movie.
2: Part of the thing with how they put this together is just the nature of Saturday morning cartoons. You can't count on everybody having seen the last episode. So your previously on is going to help. But it has to make sense enough for people where the previously on is all that they have seen. But it also has to be good for the people who have seen it.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention that the previously on for episode four, the fourth part, was really long. Did you clock and see how long it was? Yeah, they it were like almost like two, minutes. two minutes. It was well over 90 seconds, yeah.
0: Yeah, these were like, if you take out the previous song and the opening theme, they were barely 18 minutes long. They were almost 15 minutes long, so.
1: So at the end, apocalypse is supposed to cease to exist, right? We know, this is comic books. Apocalypse does not cease to exist. Apocalypse is the possibility of coming back at any time. Any character is really, no matter how they died or whatever. Even in the MCU, Tony Stark, as meaningful as his death was in Endgame, he could come back. We all realize this. Would we want it? I don't know. Me personally, no, because I do like his death meaning something in Endgame. But he can come back. This is a comic book show. X Men 97, I think we see Apocalypse. Oh there's no way
2: we don't see apocalypse.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how
0: much of this they keep because they do have the option of not keeping. They get to decide what's canon and what's not. So
1: we've been told it's a continuation,
2: but it's a continuation but- off of a time travel base.
1: Oh yeah. So you get, you get to pick which time travel thread that you you go forward on. Yeah. And I haven't seen season five yet, so I don't know how that applies to everything. But since season four and season five were so different, this could have very well been the end of the series, right, Chris?
2: It really felt like it was the end of a series, or at least planning for, you know, this is a satisfactory enough ending. Like You don't have all the telltale signs of end of a cartoon, go, and just be done. But if this was the end, I would have been happy with it.
1: I think I would have, too. I think all, most cartoons end too soon, but I think I think I would have been happy with this. Michelle? I agree. And then, Chris, you, you asked a question to us before. You were wondering if uh, it's some about villains.
2: When villains get together and they make a team, you have the Sinister Six over on the Spider-Man side of things. You have the Hellfire Club here. You have whatever team you're making for anything, but when they team up, does it ever really work out?
1: I will say no, it doesn't because of the storytelling, because if you want to continue in your storytelling, the good side eventually has to win. Look at Infinity War, Avengers Infinity War. It could have ended there, right? But the good guys didn't win, so they needed to come back and defeat Thanos.
0: And there is the idea that evil feeds upon itself. It is selfish. Magneto was promised to see his dead wife. And when he realized that apocalypse, he said, I I never trusted apocalypse. It's like, well, you were there. So part of you were trusting and having that hope, which is sort of a good guy trait. And then, of course, he realizes that he's not going to see his wife because Apocalypse wants to make the universe in his own image. He turns on him. I'm not clear as to why Mystique turned on him. I understood why Magneto did, but I'm not sure unless Mystique didn't want her kids to go away. I don't know. Maybe if that's something that um, was left on the editing room for her line of, you know, I have to protect my kids because her kids are rogue and nightcrawler. Maybe that's why she turned.
1: And when your own existence is threatened too, that would be a concern of mine. Cause like you're getting rid of everybody. You could possibly get rid of me too. And, and that would be a concern of, I think everybody, including villains that are just thinking of themselves. But I think you're probably more correct about the kids deal. Cause even, Every time we've seen Mystique, she still thinks fondly of her kids. She's not, like, fighting them to death or anything. She'll fight them, but she won't fight them to death.
0: I have a question. Quest? It was brought up in the first episode. Can good exist without evil? I'm playing the Dragonlance story of D&D and in and Dragonlance, It's important for there to be a balance between good, evil, and neutrality. And that the bad things happen when one has too much power. So do we need people like Magneto and Apocalypse around in order for good to have a reason to be good? Or do you think we could just all be good and possibly just neutral and not have evil in the world?
2: Magneto and Apocalypse are very different things, so I'm going to have to tackle them separately here. Magneto's evil is I want to make sure that my people are taken care of and treated the way that they should be treated. And I'm going to go way too far to make sure that happens, and I'm not going to worry about hurting the not-my-people, but mutants are going to be treated right. And if that means regular vanilla humans have to suffer for that, then they can just deal with it because they have been the ones in charge for a while. Magneto's end of things, I would say, yeah, you do kind of need that because you need to make sure that what's good is not going to be the same thing for everybody. And you have to make sure that everybody is not getting the short end of the stick there. Apocalypse, though, is just more on the pure evil side of things. And
1: that's one I'm not sure about. So the question is, do you need that good versus evil, right? So I will relate to to a movie that I saw over the holiday period, uh, When Harry Met Sally. So Harry's evil, Sally's good. And the two of them really don't work. Separately, they need to get together in order to work. So that is pretty much how any story needs to go. Where good versus evil. And in real life, I'm not so sure there needs to be a balance between good and evil. I think there could be more, more on the on the way between neutrality and good in real life. But in, in good storytelling, you can't have storytelling without that that balance. And even good, here's the good thing about the storytelling that we're getting today versus that what we got in the nineties, right? Where there was good guys and bad guys, it was white and black, right? What we're getting now is the fact that even good guys have bad qualities to them and good guys have bad motivations. Bad guys have good motivations and you're getting this intertwinement between the two and it's not necessarily... On one extreme or the other of the good versus evil timeline, you're getting a combination of everything, which if a storyteller can do it correctly, I think becomes invaluable as an entertainment, because not only are you seeing a great story on screen, but you're also reflecting internally on, wow, what what would this really be in my life or how would this affect this situation that I know what's going on to put it into relations of something that happened this past week. This is completely unrelated, but it goes to the good versus evil, right? The fricking Bengals versus bills football game where you had Damar Hamlin go down. He had a heart attack on the field. He was resuscitated. Okay. You know, it was freak accident. Nobody's at fault. Uh, he survived, thankfully, and is getting better as we record this. I think uh, he's breathing on his own and he, he's going forward. So that's all good. So the NFL comes in afterwards and says, yeah, a uh, game just canceled. No, games can. And, and everybody's like, it, there was a lot of riding in the NFL stakes on this game. But the NFL said, no, we're just going to cancel it. Why? Because nobody told you guys to stop playing you guys should have still played the game but yet on the other hand you're like well but a guy almost died on the field and you still want them to play football and the nfl's like well we're not telling you you had to keep playing but we didn't tell you to stop so we're just going to cancel the game and therefore like Bengals fans are like my gosh we can't have our home field advantage now or we have no way to be the AFA- afc number one seed And there's all sorts of money ramifications and everything. So the after effects are like, whoa, whereas this one unique, I would say very heartfelt, benevolent thing that happened that night where everybody was shocked and you didn't want to push them to play. But then a few days later, the NFL is (laughs) like wrong. (laughs) So this sort of stuff happens in real life. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just how it happens. And I think when you're talking about good versus evil, the same sorts of things happen. And while this is very black and white, because in 1990s, where you have sinister and apocalypse that are bad, you have those glimmers of hope because you have the characters like Mystique and Magneto, which are kind of both you know, like chaotic, neutral at best. Right. So it's good storytelling. It, it makes it interesting for a viewer to come in or a reader for the comic books to come in and say, Hey, it's pretty cool.
0: So like, we do need a balance of those who are like selfless, but sometimes being selfish can be necessary. You know, the, one of the things, there's been things in my life that's been happening and a lot of people been like, you're giving too much because I was getting run down and everything, but I thought I was doing the good thing. But in reality I have to do the quote unquote bad thing, which is being selfish and actually taking care of myself first and being first. And within, like, we have all this, like I like said, gray area. But then there's definitely things that are absolutely pure evil that no matter whether you're selfless or selfish, you need to go like, that is definitely something that everyone needs to get rid of. That would be like apocalypse because apocalypse just wants to get rid of everybody.
1: Apocalypse is doing a Thanos. Where he he just wants, he wants to be in charge and and remake everything on his own. Thanos, I think, just wanted to, there to be equity in the whole universe, but affected everybody, right? Because the 50% that Thanos did was indiscriminate. So it could affect, well, it affected everybody because half the people were gone. Half the living things in the universe were gone. So, uh, yes, I think those two things are very equivalent, where Apocalypse was... And Thanos were really on the extreme. But but in the end, was was Thanos really wrong? Uh, there have been these debates all over the place. Yes, he
0: was wrong because he could have taken so many other different paths. He could have corrected the environment. He could have redistributed wealth. He could have figured out proper taxation and better food distribution. One of the things in the United States, we actually do have enough food to feed people. But because of course, supply lines and the fact that I don't know how many videos you've all seen on YouTube of people who have been told in stores to throw away perfectly good food just because of the quote unquote, you know, sell by date has happened when the food is not bad. Sell by does not mean expired. that's not what that means but here we have just a bunch of food that gets thrown away that i i just see pictures of people like dumpster diving behind certain stores i'm not going to mention anything and it's perfectly good food and it's there it's just our policies and capitalism and all that type of stuff gets in the way of that and thanos Yes, it's not as exciting as just snapping the fingers and taking the easy way out. Thanos took the easy way out. In order to exact good change, being equitable, you actually have to look at the system and fix the system, which would have taken Thanos time to go through paperwork and to look through things and to look at how governments work. But, oh, no, I'm just... I'm too busy to read. I'm going to snap my fingers and then go garden.
1: One thing that I enjoyed about this four-parter was that while they acknowledged Cyclops's issue of gene being taken, they didn't focus on it. It wasn't the main thing. We've already done that at least twice that I can think of off the top of my head. So at least they didn't go into it. They did mention it a couple of times. Cyclops wasn't avoiding it. He mentioned that. But why did they take Gina, not me? You know, they went through that whole thing, which was getting at the plot, really, of getting all these psychics together. But they, they they didn't have Scott unglued the entire time. And I appreciated that because we've already gone through that. Why would we need to revisit that when, as we saw, there was so much more that we had to go through? So I did appreciate that.
2: I almost got uh, Kaylee really mad at me, though, because when Scott was whining about why did they take Gene and not me, obviously that's at the very beginning, so they don't know what the psychic plan is. I thought that the way that he delivered that made it sound like, I'm so important, why didn't you take me? And so she's sitting over there. Oh, wouldn't you be mad and sad and stuff if somebody took me? It's like, yes, I would, but I wouldn't sound like I thought that I was more important and they should have taken me instead.
1: I liked his interaction with cable that he had later on where he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry about Tyler and cable shot back. I'm still getting back to Tyler. I don't know what you're talking about and kind of slapped him down on that. So it was kind of fun.
2: I also really liked how Scott, kind of went out there and there's more important things than Tyler. We can't just focus on him at the expense of the entire world and never really acknowledge the fact that he was willing to do the same thing about Jean. Yeah. But then you never heard him whining about Jean again. So maybe in your head canon, you can pretend that he picked that up for himself.
1: Yeah. What is your favorite multi-parter of the series so far? I, I don't, th- we get, I think one in season five, but. We've had some pretty good ones. You know, Phoenix Saga, Dark Phoenix Saga, this. There's at least one more. Do you guys have a favorite that we've seen so far?
2: This one's definitely up there. Dark Phoenix Saga is definitely up there. I don't know if it's necessarily the best, but I think just the fact that because the Dark Phoenix Saga is so important to the entire X-Men timeline, and this is very, very easily the Best telling of that story we have in a moving pictures type format that that one is probably my favorite.
1: And there's also the Days of Future Past in there.
0: Yeah. I thought the Proteus one was interesting because how to treat your children became, you know, a theme in there. But yeah, like the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga so far. Skip the movies. Just watch these if you want the Phoenix saga. Again, the, the 1990s X-Men series did it the best.
1: Um, Yeah, there's time travel involved in in both uh, the Dark Phoenix and this. So, I mean, if I was just basing it on time travel, the two would be kind of equal. But I kind of like the Dark Phoenix just a little bit more. Because, but this is really good too. And if you wanted to refine it in a theater rendition, I think, or even a, a live action series on Disney Plus, I think this would be very, very good. I think it would be a fan favorite if you if done right. I think it would be a fan favorite going forward. Does have any last thoughts about it, Michelle? I'll start with you.
0: One of the things about being a Saturday morning cartoon, and you have people who want to insult each other. You have to get very creative with making them G-rated. And this has my favorite, which is Suck Rocks.
2: Man, if they had just called somebody a poopy butt face, that would have been the absolute best. One thing that I'm I'm really happy with this one is I think this is where you really cement that Magneto and Xavier can work together. They just need to try to find a way to get their philosophy on how to make everything work to mesh together. Because like many people on the internet say, Magneto makes good points.
1: One of the things I really liked about this is you didn't have to do a lot of character development. So all the players were already on the board and you just had to tell story. Right. And the character development was already done really good over the course of four seasons. So you could leverage all of that to get the great story that we got with this. So kudos to the production team, Larry Houston, all the other people that were involved. I think you did a fantastic job over the course of four seasons to get to the point where you could give us this as the season finale. And let's face it, it was a potential series finale at the time next week we are going to be jumping into x-men the animated series season five with episodes one and two as shown on disney plus so if you're watching along you gotta watch them on disney plus on season five episodes one and two and in the meantime michelle you get to choose what we do now
0: we're gonna jump into the gray malkin and actually go search for tyler
1: I want to thank everybody for continuing to watch or listen to us talk about everything Marvel Studios related, including the X-Men, the animated series, which was technically Fox entertainment or Marvel entertainment back in the day in the nineties, but we're doing it because X-Men 97 is coming on trying to give you a background of everything that happened. And we're just lucky enough to have the time to take it episode by episode. So we thank you for watching along with us and then commenting back to us on how you feel about the series as it goes on
0: yes thank you to everyone who interacts with us um, whether it's twitter or especially in discord we have a very active discord come on by chat we have a channel just for the podcast we have a channel for tv and film and we have a spoiler channel so it's all covered come on by
2: Everybody who chooses to let us into their ear holes, especially when you interact, be it on the Discord or when they come to one of us hosts personally and say something, it is great. And know that we definitely share that between each other because we all like knowing that what we're doing is appreciated. But we appreciate you for choosing to fit us into your entertainment schedule.
1: I would say also... That there is another show on the network, on the Guinea Geek Network, Smoking and Drinking in Capes, that does cover comic book-related activities and movies and TV shows and stuff like that. They do venture into the Marvel realm. And as we're recording this, their latest episode is on Deadpool. It was a hoot to listen to, the original Deadpool. And they're looking forward to covering Deadpool 2 and Deadpool 3 when it comes out next year, I believe. We've already covered Deadpool one and two on the show. So you could go back in our feed and find those if you want to as well. But if you're looking for something a little current as of today, you could go over to smoking and drinking in capes and find their Deadpool coverage. It was a really fun episode there. So with that, that's it for our first episode in 2023. I'm director
2: SB. I'm agent Michelle. And I'm agent Chris.
1: We'll see everybody next time as we cover X-Men season five, episodes 1 and 2 in 2 weeks bye
2: bye Bye. thank you for listening if you want to leave us feedback go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows you can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts the music heard on this podcast is by Kevin MacLeod, found at incompetech.com, and also artists on Pond5.com and AudioJungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of Shield is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. This week, I discovered a new toy for OBS.
0: Ooh, what is it?
2: A, it acts like a filter, but it uh, will record the source independently <clears throat> at multiple size. So I can have things later and record multiple camera a- angles uh, as long as it's all at the same time. And That's cool. Fun. I haven't played around with it yet, though.
1: That's what she said. (laughs) I'm literally just racking my brain because usually when I'm like this, I've forgotten something. I've got the soundboard. It's recording. Set that to record.
0: Do you have your card in recording? I've got
1: the card in and it's a green bar with 12 plus hours, so it should be good there. And then okay. also I've set the Streamyard to record local files. So we're all on our own tracks. So that's kind of the backup there. And of course you're all recording too. So yeah, uh, those are the files that I usually use. So the ones that you guys send. Mm. Okay. That's it. So you remember to shut the door. Yeah. The door shut uh, Cooper's inside and I think the vacuum just docked. So yeah, that was interesting. I was like trying to sit down. The vacuum was going all over the chair. I'm like, uh, get out of here. I think it was just getting back at me because I like cleaned it out and put new parts on it yesterday and everything. So I don't know. I think it was feeling kind of frisky today.
2: How dare you try to do regular maintenance on your vacuum?
1: (laughs) This is long overdue. I've had it for more than a year and I've cleaned it out, but I have not put Mm -hmm. new parts into it. So I, what was the emphasis is the roller I had taken out, and I was trying to clean underneath it. It's kind of stupid. It's got this cap on one side, and it's just held on by a, a plastic clip. So I just I popped it off, and by popping it off, I broke one side of the clip. So I'm like, well, great. I need to buy a new one. Uh, it still worked, but anytime you took it out, it would fall apart. And I would have to put it back together and put it in, and it works fine, but... I knew I needed a new one. So I ordered a new one, and it just came in this kit with all the stuff for all of it. So the little rotating brushes on the front, I put new ones on. Of course, I put the new roller in. I um, uh, put new filters in the base. Uh, As far as I can tell, there's no filter in the machine itself, but that doesn't seem right. There's got to be a filter in there somewhere, so I'm, I'm missing something. And I cleaned the bottom and yeah, I just, I did a, a lot of stuff yesterday and uh, put it back together. Oh, I had to actually use soap and water on some of it. And so it was let out to dry for a couple of hours, put it all together. It was not happy. It was drying upside down and it kept on saying, I'm going over a cliff. I'm going over a cliff. I'm going over a cliff. <laughs> I was like, no, you're not like every, every 10 minutes it'd be like, please help. I'm going over a cliff. <laughs> no, you're not. You're upside down on the table. You're fine. So I finally got everything together and put it on its base, but then it it kept on coming out of its base because it, it wasn't seated. I like actually put it on its base and it just didn't like that. So it kept on coming out and, and readjusting itself and it finally was fine. And then this morning, of course I left the door open as I was walking around and it came in Cause it runs from nine to 10 and, and I couldn't sit down at my desk. So I'm like, Hmm. Okay. Fair abouts, fair play, I guess. You guys got anything fun going on this weekend. Just continue to work on my desk. How's that
2: going? Um, got all the polyurethane stuff on it. I need to, I got our treated wood provider to send me a four by four that they hadn't thrown through the treatment machine yet. So I've got to sand that thing down so I can have some extra legs just to make absolutely sure there's not too much weight on it. And then take everything apart in here, because I don't have room to not take everything apart.
1: So for the tabletop, the door does the door have depressions on it, or is it just a flat door?
2: It's just a flat door.
1: Okay. And there's no hinge... That have been routed out or anything? It's just a, a slab? Nope. Nice.
2: Yep. All right. I put a couple holes in it for some grommets Kaylee got me, and that is it.
1: Why did you put holes in?
2: So I could run wires through the desk instead mm-hmm. of having to go behind it.
1: I was going to ask if you were going to do a glass top to it, because you can get those relatively cheap at like a local glass store.
2: No, I think I'm just going to... I've got the polyurethane stuff on. I'm just going to roll with that. I might get a top later.
1: Okay. Exciting stuff.
2: Speaking of things that are way too young for us, for Christmas, I got a new Gwen.
1: Oh. Wow. A motorcycle? Is that it? Yeah. Nice. Nice.
2: Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.